Welcome to the Journey to Grateful podcast, a podcast focusing on helping us understand the process of loss and grief with the help of those who are living it. I'm your host, Tim Begonia, and today I'm welcoming a new guest to the show, Caddy Duraghi. In a moment, I will introduce her and her extensive resume. But first, please remember to share this podcast with someone you know dealing with their own grief journey or someone trying to help a friend or family member through their grief. The more we know and understand about grief, the better we can help others. As you may know, this podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or directly at journeytograteful.com, along with stories from my contributors. Please take a read from those stories. You will not be disappointed. And thank you once again for allowing me to borrow a bit of your time in hopes that in some small way we can make a difference. Now on to the show. I'd like to introduce you to and welcome on today's episode, Caddy Duraghi. Caddy is an entrepreneur, author of The Butterfly Years, A Journey Through Grief Toward Hope, and the president of Artisan Creative, a staffing and recruiting agency focused on digital, creative, and marketing talent. Caddy is also a forum and retreat facilitator at Entrepreneurs Organization, working with entrepreneurs to help them better become stronger versions of themselves. When it comes to grief, Caddy explores the impact of positive psychology and post-traumatic growth on the path through grief. She believes we all have a story to share and that our greatest journey toward hope and growth is through self-reflection and self-discovery. Let's join the conversation. I am very excited to talk to you because although I know a little bit about you from information that I've called, but I really appreciate that it appears as though your mind and my mind when it comes to grief is very much aligned. You are definitely on a mission to demystify grief and create a space where people can talk about loss and about grief and death freely. And that is exactly the reason why I started doing what I'm doing. So if you would like to take a moment to introduce yourself, because what I just said is just the tip of the iceberg, I would appreciate it. And so would my listeners. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim, for having me as a guest on this podcast. So very similar to what you shared about yourself, um, happenstance brought me here really life happened um, or in this instance death happened and I struggled with it for a long time not really wanting to talk about it not really knowing how to talk about it or who to talk to about you know I figured out a lot of my friends just only had capacity as much as they wanted to be there they only had capacity for so much yes and I think society has imposed these timelines on how long can we grieve and we should get over it and all of that. So I think a lot of it I just kept inside um, because I just didn't think anybody wanted to hear about it. Yes. And I had an interaction with a friend who said, you know, her, her mom had just passed recently and she encouraged me to go and write go write, go and just nobody else wants to hear it. Fine. Just go write and talk about what's in your heart. Sure. So I did. 
And I started journaling. And I think that's kind of what has started me down this path where a lot of that messaging ended up becoming what my book ended up being. Although I never had intended to write a book, uh, just little by little, as I started to talk about this, I realized that, oh my gosh, there are a lot of other people like me who need to talk about this, but don't really have a place to do so. So that's kind of how, what's brought me to this moment here. Fantastic. This, uh, I, I'm telling you the way that our lives are paralleling, the reason why we got into this, what brought us here and our thoughts. Um, Based on what we've experienced externally with family and friends, it has surprised me in a way where there are those people in your life or uh, a couple of degrees separated from you who truly have that time, that predetermined time limit on grief in their head. And I, I'm not quite sure where that came from. And uh, as I mentioned before we started recording, I remember growing up, um, grief was the loss of somebody for that week or two when family gathered and you mourned them and celebrated their life and then everything went back to normal. And I, of course, if you were not touched directly with loss, of course, that's what's going to happen. And you're not going to think specifically about what happens truly with that, the closest person after that loss. So of course, with my experience of the loss of my wife, I, I came to the realization that, um, you know, I want people to feel free to talk about my late wife in normal conversations. And it is very important to have other people to talk to as well. I personally have had, really good interactions with bereavement groups and some of the stories that I've heard where some of their experiences have been almost literally somebody asking them, well, aren't you over this yet? And that just, you know, as you were doing your little introduction here, I was shaking my head so much because I was completely agreeing with you. It is surprising now, as you started writing and journaling, how did that help you internally? And how were you able to make it more of an external help for yourself and hopefully for others? As I started writing, I realized that there were some unfinished conversations that I just didn't get a chance to have. So that's the first step forward for me was saying what was in my heart that I just yeah. had not been able to vocalize for a variety of reasons. And my losses occurred very close to each other. I lost my stepmom, my dad, and my mother within a four-month period. I didn't even mourn my stepmom and my dad because I was so involved in the care for my mom as she was going through her illness sure. that... I think it took me a few years to be able to say, oh my gosh, I have not even grieved for them yet. Yeah. And so that was really it. It was really an opportunity to say some things that I wanted to have said. I just didn't get a chance to say. And my intention originally when I started writing was to be able to capture some of these things that had helped me on this journey and put it in some sort of a health self-help book for others. Yeah. It didn't become that. It really became more of a memoir 
Um, although I think it's a helpful story for many to read and and empathize with that they're not alone. Um, however, that's not what I had intended to do in, initially. My intention was some sort of a journal or to create create something that people could actually take upon themselves. Sure. But I think my mom and some others up there had they wanted their story told. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So, so that they could still have that influence oh, on yeah. you and probably to this day, I would assume. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I had to honor that and share that. But it took me, you know, it's a small book. It's maybe 30,000 words. It's not a it's not a gigantic book, but it took me three years to write it. Okay. One, because I had not really intended to be to be sharing this with anyone. This was yeah, a very so per- personal journey. So once that was finally said and done, I was able to cha- turn my attention to by what my original intent had been to create the journal. Um, but yeah, it was my my poor husband. He would come into the room and I would be typing away, just like tears coming down my face. And I would just like do an about face and just leave knowing that yeah. I needed to be in the zone to write. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I have certainly had uh, times when I've been writing or even um, preparing for a podcast and the tears have have definitely flowed. Now, what specific things helped you on your specific journey other than or in addition to the journaling and the writing? So I would say the first thing on the journaling part or, or the writing part of it is it made me it forced me to go back in time and remember the good times. Yeah. You know, at the time when the loss happened, the thing that was front and center in my mind was the illness was, you know, the seven years of struggle, the, the patient and not my mother, which they are different entities here, but I was not remembering her. So the the book really allowed me to go back and remember the good times or remember the person that she was, not the patient that she became. Um, so that was huge. Uh, and because of that, really recognizing the gratitude of everything that I still had versus thinking about what I didn't have. So starting a gratitude uh, practice was very, very important. And that's why I love the name of your podcast. It really is a journey to, to grateful. So I am grateful. I'm, I'm grateful for all the memories. I'm grateful for the influence. As you said, it's still being influenced oh. even yep. <laughs> from out there. Um, so that was a huge piece. I think nature for me was an incredible healing agent, if you will, uh, just recognizing that life does go on. Flowers do still come out. The yep. uh, sun is going to still shine. Yep. Even though it sure didn't feel like it, right? It feels yeah, so Certainly dark. there are times when you don't want that to be reality, that the flowers will still bloom and things will still be beautiful because there are times, and usually it's early on, but they can still creep in when you just want to be in that ugly place. Yeah. And that's that's a tough little uh, transition. And I think it's important to be in that ugly place. It is. You know, it's important to feel it, uh, but it's also important to recognize that we have the tools within us somehow, even though they may just not seem accessible at the time to see the beauty, 
uh, even though in the beginning just it, it is just filled with darkness. Um, it reminds me of that uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson quote that says, um, I'm going to mess it up here, but something like you, you see stars when there's total darkness. Yes. And, yes. It has to be completely dark in order yeah. to see the stars. Yes. Definitely. Yep. Yep. I love that one as well. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you are talking about all aspects of grief that um, you are touching upon uh, the the journey that you've had that includes the dark, the ugly, the grateful, the beauty, all of that, because it is as much as what that was when the people that we've lost were here. And that's another thing that I focus on when people are trying to put a deadline on grief, because that love that we nurtured build, created, and lived through in whatever the relationship was, mother, father, brother, sister, wife, son, it doesn't matter. That took years and years and years. And our grief is going to take years and years and years. And for me, and tell me if you agree, the grief's never going to go away. It's not going to end. I agree with you 100%. 100%. We just figure out a way to live with it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, your the details of, of your life around your your loss, your losses, um they were a few years ago, right? Correct. So my parents and my stepmom died 10 years ago. So that was okay. my whole goal to get this thing done and out as an honor to them. Yes. By yes. that anniversary. Have you had anybody recently ask you or be a little bit concerned uh, whether or not you are in the right place and maybe back to the let this go type of situation? Or are people now finally understanding what the process of grief is all about because of what you've gone through and because you have been willing to share it. I don't know if they've, if they hundred percent understand, but I think they've accepted since, since my parents passed away, I had several other losses, uh, a cousin who was younger than me. Uh, oh. That was hard to accept somebody's young pass yeah. away yeah. Uh, my uncle passed away and then my stepdad passed away so it's it, it was a four years of I would say a, a very very big struggle but I think from the beginning Tim and I feel this to this day I feel them like I, I their presence is very near like just before I came on the phone with you on the zoom with you there was a um, hummingbird right outside my window and I'm like oh someone's oh. come to say hello Oh my goodness, that is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so I, huh. I feel their energy and I have shared that with many, many people. Um, I, you know, I constantly am I'm wearing my mom's necklace now. Like I, I, I'm Excellent. constantly, they are alive and I feel that as my responsibility that they're living through me and I need to say yes to life because they can't. Absolutely. I love that. You have to say yes to life because they can't. That is wonderful. I mean, that is truly the reason to 
for a better term, to go on. It's mm-hmm. for them. It, and my wife, because she uh, she had metastatic breast cancer and there came a point in time when we knew that there was nothing more we can do, she had the, co- the tough decision to talk to me about things like this. And she told me in no uncertain terms that I needed to, to live and I needed to move forward. And that's a gift that she gave me that not very many people have had in, in their grief journey. Now you talk also about activating hope. Tell us a little bit more about what that is and how you activate hope. Well, it seems so hopeless when we're in it, right? Um, but I think for me early on, this this belief that I just shared that it was my responsibility to continue living because mm-hmm. they couldn't. And just recognizing that not every day was going to be a good day, that there would be plenty of really dark days that I just didn't want to do anything, Mm -hmm. but I had to because they couldn't do it either. Mm -hmm. And so little by little, just activating hope for me means recognizing that we're going to fall. But that's okay. Realistic, right? It's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just get up and try it again. But if we don't try it, then we're giving up hope because then we want it to magically come out of nowhere. There was a book that I read. um, Oh, making hope happen, making hope happen. And in that book, the the author talked a a lot about, you know, having a plan for your hope, for your hope, recognizing that you will stumble and fall and that's okay. And I really took that to heart, Uh, really took it to heart that, you know, this isn't going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. I have in my power to recognize what I'm grateful for, what I still have. I have it in my power to uh, instill some self-care because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, might as well just give up. Mm-hmm. I have it in my power to reach out to my community, even though they don't quite understand, but maybe little by little help them understand. Because Every little do. bit will help them, definitely. Yeah. They, unfortunately, we know this, Tim. Everyone's going to go through this at some point. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. And as, as you know, as life happens, death happens too. And we can't just keep sweeping it under the carpet because we want the Hollywood ending. It's just, it's not going to happen. Yes, exactly. And we need to prepare ourselves for how we can actually take the next step forward. And we need to find a way to to work through the path that is laid before us. Uh, Obviously, when we have a loss of somebody, plans that were made drastically change. And many times, depending upon that loss, it, it, it appears as though it's a completely hopeless future. It's not. It's just a different journey. It's a completely different path. And we need to kind of lift ourselves up as best as we can and find where that path is. You talked about self-care, that journey that you're taking, that you've taken and that you are still taking with grief. What types of things have you dealt with for yourself with your self-care? I decided, that's kind of funny, uh, but I decided I would say about six months or so after my mom died, 
that I come from a family of not very healthy people. That's just the reality of it. 16 people in my family have had cancer of some kind. So many of them have passed away. And so I decided that I got to do something about this. Yeah. I don't know what, but um, I saw a Groupon ad for a Zumba class. Honestly, this is how it started. So I started going to this exercise class with a lot of guilt because Zumba, if you know anything about it, is music and it's loud and it's fun and upbeat, you're dancing. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's very upbeat. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I, and I would be standing there going, like, I, I don't know if I should be dancing. Like, is that an okay thing to do at this six sure. months into this thing? I, I did it sure. with a lot of guilt. Wow. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, it was hard. And there were times when I would be dancing, but I would have tears in my eyes, just just so conflicted. But what yeah. happened, I just started feeling better. Excellent. Exercise can do that, right? It's like I'd walk to the class, I'd walk back, just being outside, fresh air. Little by little, I recognized that this was self-care, even though I wasn't thinking about it as being self-care. It made me sleep better. So that piece of self-care was really, really important. I've always been a big nutrition person and have always eaten well. So that really didn't come into play, but just the importance of good food versus, you know, not eating junk, but really community, having community is a big part of self-care and having, being able to speak about what's in our heart is a big part of it. So you talked about being part of bereavement groups that's so important. I did not know it, to recognize it. I didn't go through it. I wish I had. I wish I had gone through cancer support centers when my mom had been diagnosed. I didn't do that. I didn't even know it was there. I don't know if you went through that. I did prior. not. I did not. But I did. We did know that that it was there. And uh, yeah, the same same kind of feeling for me that in a way, I kind of wish that I did. But, you know, uh, even with bereavement groups, first of all, it needs to be the right kind of people for you. And not all bereavement groups are created equal. And they're not always going to be successful. But one thing that is constant is just finding people that get what you've gone through is really, really, really helpful. So I think that's the biggest reason why bereavement groups are really something that people should look into. And again, understanding that maybe you'll find one that isn't the right group, but it's okay because there are others out there, right? Exactly. I'm fortunate that I belong to a business organization called the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO. And through some of the practices that we have in the group, there's a lot of opportunities to speak and share. And again, by happenstance, I just happened to share about, it was about the my weight loss. So through the whole Zumba thing, I lost a lot of weight. And then kind of the why behind the weight loss, then it went into of how course, I started it. That was the story. Yeah. yeah. That, so the first yeah. time I spoke about grief was because of weight loss. And that's kind of how we went to it. And then so many people came up to me afterwards to share their own story. And that's when I realized, okay, this is not a singular journey for me. You know, I don't need to keep this bottled up because there are people who understand. Mm -hmm. 
certainly there are a lot of people who don't understand uh, mm-hmm. and they do put timelines on it, but there are people like yourself and a lot of your audience, a lot of your guests who get it. They yeah. get it that there yeah. is no timeline. There's just yeah. a continuum of grief. Some days it's a lot and some days yep. it's okay. Yeah, definitely. Now, lately I've been getting into more and more mindset work, just mm-hmm. the whole idea of, you know, uh, the worst enemy that I know that I've had over the past uh, two years. And then even before that, because of the diagnosis of my wife, it's always been in my head. What I tell myself in my head, what I, those conversations that I have with myself. And so mindset lately has been something that has very much risen to the top. And I'm doing a lot of work with that. And in a way, that's all, that's very much self-judgment. Talk about how self-judgment mindset shifting on this entire journey through your grief process has helped and hurt throughout. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) That is probably the best response yet. Because sometimes, especially for listeners who may be just trying to support somebody who's going through grief and have not experienced it themselves, but they're, they're empathetic. It's important for them to, and I know on some of our discussions on this show, I'm, I'm laughing and joking with people who have lost somebody and yeah, it's a coping mechanism, but also just what you said was absolutely brilliant. You know, how much time do we have to talk about self-judgment and mindset? Because let me tell you, if you haven't experienced it, it's there 24-7. For sure. So from a mindset perspective, another step that I took through for self-care was starting to meditate. Uh, To this day, I can't do it on my own. I need I need a guided meditation and the Deepak Chopra ones were the ones that just really resonated with me. And every morning I would start with, with a 20 minute, just sit as much as my mind would be all over the place. Just having the voice calm me and guide Mm -hmm. me was very, very helpful. But self-judgment for me came from so many different directions. Um, I am a product of two cultures. I was born and raised in Iran, and then we immigrated here. So this East and West notions of how we deal with grief, expectations, I was so conflicted in so many ways. One of the stories I can share with you is in Iran, we have a, one of our practices is wearing black for a long period of time when somebody passes away. I mean, look, I'm wearing black now. But when my mom died, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I I felt very black inside, very dark inside. I just couldn't wear it. So I wore red. It was her favorite color for me. Honoring her. That's that's why I wore the red. But the entire time I was thinking, okay, people are looking at me. Are they thinking, why is she not wearing black? Mm-hmm. You know, I even thought like, is my mom up there looking at me saying, like, why is she not wearing black? So just silly little things that to your point is in my head. Probably nobody ever thought it. Mm-hmm. Certainly nobody ever voiced it to me if, mm-hmm. if they did mm-hmm. think it, but I thought it. And to be conflicted all day long because you're wearing a different color shirt. That's just so silly, but it is, it is what it was. Right. Well, and back to the zoom classes yeah. and dancing, 
you were oh, conflicted yeah. there and you were beating yourself up in your head. I mean, probably for quite a while walking to and from, oh, you yeah. were having those, those inner discussions and, uh, it's going to sound weird, but I've, I've recently been listening to a few people talking about mindset and it's so, so ridiculously simple, but as much as we can have this doubt, this self-judgment on the negative aspect in our minds with mindset, we can also control it with positive. And yet we don't, we are so, it's so easy for us to just slide into, you know, slide into the negative. And of course, when you are dealing with grief, such as this, um, it's kind of where you're kind of sitting for most of the time through that process until you can find a way to deal with the negativity, uh, find ways to give yourself some self-care and some self-help and finding ways to embrace gratitude. What ways do you embrace gratitude because of the experience of your losses? It's a practice that I started long ago, um, probably just really became prevalent after the losses. And it really had to do with trying to see the stars when it was really dark. Uh, mm -hmm. It's going back to that quote. And there were days that I would stare at the piece of paper and just say, I have nothing to be grateful for. And then just asking myself, truly, like you have nothing to be grateful for. Look, you're, you have a roof over your head. You have two furry little cats that are running around giving you love, you know, just little things. Yeah. But those little things add up to being things that I truly am super grateful for. You know, yeah. I'm absolutely grateful for every day that I live because I know not everybody has that opportunity. Right? Yes. But getting Absolutely. old is a good thing. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that when I think about gratitude, and it always fluctuates from day to day, week to week, what have you, but the one that is my basis, my foundation, uh, other than being so grateful to have met my wife, um, I'm so grateful for what she taught me about grief without me knowing that I was being taught. And if you know my story, she lost her first husband uh, in 1999. They had a nine-month-old daughter. And so many times we would talk about the process of her getting through that and moving forward. And really the bottom line for her was she had no choice. She had a nine-month-old daughter. She had to. And that became that became a very good thing that she had to do because it truly forced her to continue moving forward. She didn't have the choice to roll over in bed, hide under the covers and not see the star through the darkness stars through the darkness. So I am so grateful for those little things that she taught me. Uh, one story that I've often talked about with friends and family is uh, she had, after her husband passed, he had probably, I don't know, months uh, beforehand 
they bought a vehicle for her and it was a big Ford expedition because he wanted her to be in a very safe car. And we happened to talk about when she sold that and got a different car and a smaller SUV. And I, I asked her, I said, so how, how was that? That must've been a hard decision. She said, Nope, it wasn't. I hated that car and he isn't here and I am. So I needed to do things that suited what I needed to do made perfect sense for me. And she wasn't flipping about it. And she wasn't, you know, she wasn't negative about it, but she was realistic about it. Um, making decisions after somebody passes so many times, we again, in our head are wondering, what are they going to say if I'm wearing this red dress? But sometimes we need to just do those things for ourselves because we are here. We are trying to walk this path and we are living. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for sharing that story, Tim. Um, And you're so right in terms of kind of going back to having a responsibility and having no choice, you know, in in her instance, it was a nine month old baby that couldn't take care of itself. Absolutely. Right? Um, in my case, I don't have children, but in my case, it was my business and my employees and my my team. You know, I, I needed to be present and take care of them. But it it always has reminded me of recognizing that there are so many other people out there who could use our help. Yeah you know, to be able to give back, to take care of somebody else. It's such itself, uh, such a, uh, again, I don't want to use the word healing, but it's such a way uh, to be able to recognize how we can move forward. There are plenty of people that have it just as bad as us, if not worse. to, To be able to take care of them and just give a little bit back, share a story, you know, you know, share some comfort, something. Mm-hmm. itself is just such a way of not only changing our mindset, but being able to be you know, really tap into the gratitude that we have. Yeah, I've always found that one of the most powerful things that I've experienced is when somebody connects with me because they understand and you know, there aren't very many people readily around us after a loss that truly understands what you are going through at that time. So when you, do connect with somebody that can understand. It just makes you feel, wow, I'm not alone in this. Or oftentimes I will hear stories and I will look and I haven't even shared my version of it, but it's like, wow, that, 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 that's, you're talking the same thing that I'm going through, or I experienced the same. And it, it just makes you feel it, it. Sometimes it makes you feel like, okay, I'm not nuts. It's not just me. And sometimes the idea that it's not just me is so comforting. And I hope that everybody out there can understand that that's truly what we're just trying to do here is through our stories, through our discussions, through sharing successes, as well as the failures in this thing called grief that they can possibly have uh, clearer guideposts on their particular journey and they can hopefully understand what's about to come, although it's never going to be the same. And it always 
it surprises you. It surprises you three weeks, three months, three years after the loss. It surprises you. It constantly surprises you. Well, I so appreciate your time. And before I say goodbye to you, I want to find out if there's anything else that you would like to share with uh, myself and the audience. Just the gratitude for creating this space for us to be able to have this conversation, Tim, I really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope that everyone recognizes that they, they all have a story to share. Yep. You know, it, it's in here, you know, to just really support anyone who, you know, just, just get out there, tell your story, get on podcast, talk, write for yourself, you know, just journal for yourself. But Don't yeah. convince yourself that nobody is going to want to hear your story. Yeah, because and don't keep it bottled in. Right? Yes, emotions Absolutely. have to move, so it's like to just get them out. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Caddy, thank you so much. You are the uh, the author of the Butterfly Years: A Journey Through Grief Toward Hope. I love that. A journey through grief, through grief, toward hope. That is absolutely wonderful. You have been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for talking with me and sharing your story. And please never hesitate to connect with me. If you want to come on the the show again and you want to talk about something more specific or something that is coming up, let's, let's get together. I would love to have you on the show again. Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate being your guest today. Thank you. All right. I'd like to thank Caddy for taking the time and chatting with me today. As you can see, it she has the same thoughts that I have when it comes to grief, and I appreciate her ability to recognize and share with us the steps needed to advance through grief. As it's so often the case, through experience we discover things we otherwise had not seen before. With grief, that is certainly the case. When it hits close to home, you have no choice than to make your way through it while maintaining a a balance with life that you have yet to live. I also want to thank you, my friends, for joining me today on today's episode. Please do not hesitate to contact me via email can give me your feedback on any episode or ideas for episodes in the future. You can contact me at tim at journeytograteful.com. You can also leave a voicemail or text me directly. The number is 262-298-2428. That's 262-298-CHAT. And of course, if you are enjoying this podcast, please share this with someone you know Hop on to our Facebook and Instagram pages for inspiration and support and become part of the conversation over on social. And lastly, rate and review the podcast. It does help us to grow. So I'd appreciate it if you could take a moment to do that. As I say goodbye, I'd like to share that quote that we referenced in our discussion by Ralph Waldo Emerson. When it is dark enough, you can see the stars. I've heard many versions of this quote, all providing the same end result, providing me a reminder that in order to see the beauty and the spectacle of the stars, you must be in darkness. It's all well and good to strive for making good from bad. Stories and poems often make it seem simple and effortless, but it truly is not. 
To make anything that is worth something, you must put the work into it. It's common sense and it's just fact. So why at times am I looking for an easy way through grief to something that I secretly hope will confirm a good reason for my loss? I'm guessing that feeling is common among us all. We want answers, and we may even want something good to come from something bad. Perhaps that's not the way to look at those stars in our darkness. Perhaps we need to see them as a guiding light for us to add to the spectacle of the stars. For us to do something with our experience and move our life forward with our grief. So thank you once again for joining me on today's show. And please know that my wish is always that you walk confidently on your journey to grateful. Bye-bye.